0: Bismillah rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa s-salatu wa ala sayyidil mursaleen wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasleeman kafeera ila yawm al amma ba'd. Alhamdulillah, we've gotten to out of the ten um, principles of the path, we've gotten to the number ten, which is dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and reflecting on his creation so after discussing that last time uh, we move on to he's saying he's going to talk about the two different types of adhkar and their benefits the two types of dhikr broadly speaking i mean there are if you're talking about uh, various adhkar that you can do various phrases and formulas of adhkar then there's obviously many many that's there's so many of those but this is speaking about how to do dhikr and again broadly speaking he's talking about two he says with bil nawaan And the second is a dhikr bil qalb. Essentially doing dhikr directly by the heart. And the number two is doing dhikr with the tongue. Now the way this generally works is that the whole point of doing dhikr with the tongue is to make sure that the heart is obviously part of it. Because if you're just repeating something with the tongue and the heart is not involved in that, then you don't get the same kind of benefit. Because it's the heart that has to take the benefit. What we're trying to do is we're trying to charge the heart and nourish the heart because dhikr is the Qutul Qalb, qutu which basically means the nourishment of the heart. So the tongue is just the means to get it there. That's why it's very easy to become accustomed to doing dhikr with the tongue and not really take it with the heart and the heart flying around elsewhere. That's a very great possibility. That's why, uh, however, it's actually easier to do dhikr with the tongue. Though, though it's sometimes not seen as most effective because you have to actually bring in both the heart and the tongue together, it's actually easier because at least you're doing something. Because if you started by trying to do dhikr with the heart, as uh, some methodologies uh, uh, suggest anyway, then what happens is that it's much more complicated, it forces you, it, it's almost like it throws you into the deep end. right? That do it like this and makes it uh, Uh, makes us learn from the very complicated way of doing things. But obviously there's going to be a greater benefit in that. It's going to be more impactful. The the way some ulama have explained this is that to do dhikr with the tongue uh, with with the tongue is like taking a pill, a tablet. Whereas doing dhikr with the heart is like an intravenous. But it's not exactly the same it's just that it's showing that why you would do intravenous is obviously because it has a quicker effect then there's other ways of uh, discussing this as well and the way you do the dhikr also plays into this is that at the end of the day what we're trying to do is to purify our heart. we're trying to purify our heart. now just take that as an example of trying to purify or or rather you've bought a piece of land and you want to make it into a really nice garden you want to plant some good trees in there or you want to put some crops in there well there's a few things that we're going to have to first do so if you have that piece of land and you want to do something on there now there's two ways to there's many ways to do what you have to do there one is that you want to first just clean everything out and then you want to plant your tree what other people do is that they want to make a small clearing first they want to plant their tree, then they want to clear the rest of it out now that's just up to you how you want to work Um, similarly sometimes if you've got some clutter some people can't work, they need to clear the clutter first before they can actually work let's clear the clutter first then let's do the work other people say it's okay let me just clear a bit let me start my work and then I'll clear the rest later these are just misaj, different ways and different orders in Tassouf, different ways of Sufism as well, they use different methodologies. But that's very broadly speaking. Here it's just saying, uh, well within those methodologies you're going to have some who will start you off on dhikr of the heart first. And then they may have just a bit of dhikr of the tongue, like the Naqshbandis do. Whereas it looks like majority of others, I can't say the majority, absolute majority, by, through exhaustive research, because there's many many uh, different ways of doing it, this but many others they actually do, they start off with Dhikr of the Tongue. So anyway, he also, he's from the Khalwatiya, uh, Imam Dardir is from the Khalwatiya and he also seems to be quite aware of the Shadhiliya as well and it looks like both of them use the tongue first. So he's saying وَالذِكْرُ نَوْعَانَ Dhikr is of two types. al الْذِكْرُ Dhikr of the Tongue He says this is basically this is the methodology of the, of, the, of, the, of, the, of the people of the beginning, people who are just setting off. People who are just starting up, they need to start doing dhikr with the tongue, it's easier to do so. It, it, it may be not as effective, because remember to do dhikr with the tongue you have to then connect the heart, and that in itself is quite a complicated procedure to bring the two together. But it's easy, because at least you will spend some time doing it. When you start doing dhikr with the with the heart, you can easily distract yourself and you would be doing nothing. You'd be just sitting there. Because dhikr of the heart means your heart has to be there. If it's not there and we start thinking of so many else because so many other things because we're so distracted, then that means we're not going to be doing anything. We've dedicated time, but we're not doing anything. There's no name of Allah is not being taken. But when you're doing it with your tongue at least you're, you're taking the name of Allah, you're spitting the tasbih, if you want to say that, or you're clicking the tasbih, whatever you're using. So you're saying, subhanallah, alhamdulillah, allahu akbar, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, we may be thinking about something else, it may be very mechanical, but at least some parts of the body is engaged. So that's why he's saying that mostly the people at the beginning, at the off, uh, when they start off, they will generally start off with dhikr of the tongue, and that's why most tariqahs, they do that. Whether that be the Shadli or the Khalwatiya, I'm assuming, and also the Chishtiya, etc. They start you with the tongue. Only later do they say, okay, you stop that now. Because, mashallah, dhikr has become a nature to you, part part of your nature. So now it's okay for you to do it with your heart. Because you'll be focused with your heart. You can actually sit down and concentrate. Because we've learned to focus on the name of Allah by repeating it so many times. Of course, when you repeat something so many times, there's many benefits to it. You hear it. There's a benefit of hearing it there's a benefit of you repeating some something so many times to become familiar with it, and you're taking the name of Allah, the name of Allah in itself is just so powerful that even if it's said with heedlessness, it still has a benefit. So it's still the name of Allah that's very beneficial. So that's why he's saying that this is the people of the beginning, they'll generally start with the tongue. But because the main maqsid and the main objective is the heart, He's saying that it is incumbent upon them to remain regular on uh, remembrance with their tongue, but while forcing focus with their heart, while trying their best to keep focus with their heart. So you can see he's acknowledging the fact that that's going to be difficult. That's going to be difficult in the sense that it might be difficult to keep your heart focused all the time, you'll do it and then you'll drift away, and then you'll, but your tongue will still be moving. Right? La ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah. And then you'll think of it, and then you'll come back because it will remind you. One of the benefits of tasbih, that's what I find it. If you're doing dhikr on your, on your fingers, which is afdal, which is superior, the reason why it's superior is because that's how the Prophet ﷺ recommended. Mm. Right? There's a whole way of counting. They would do it on their fingers. But tasbih cannot be called uh, an, in a, a reprehensible innovation at all because just the tool at the end of the day. I know some Sufi tariqs, like for example the darqawi, etc., they wear it right they wear the, the they wear it and then some uh, i guess when some get some people seem to get freaked out about it when they see all of these really fancy large tasbis and people just insisting on them where's my tasbih kissing it and so on and so forth not to say it's, i won't say it's haram to kiss a tasbih either if that's something that's benefiting and you want to kiss your you want to kiss something that benefits you there's nothing wrong with that i don't see if you, if you want to kiss your phone you can do that it's a bit absurd but if you want to do that you could probably do that as well It'd be absurd anyway, right? But if the dhikr is basically the idea of those who do those things, they're saying that the tasbih has helped us so much. It's been my tool of the trade. This is what I've... It's like saying that, you know, this, these are the tools that I've made my money with. This is the tool that I've developed my iman with. So why should I, you know, why should I disrespect it? But, I mean, again, what is disrespect, right? So, for example, if you look at a lot of the Tijanis of, uh, of West Africa... Right? They, they use a lot of tasbih and big ones, right? Generally, and everybody has a tasbih. And the qadiri tariqah, the way they use the tasbih is quite interesting as well. That they don't necessarily go bead by bead. The idea is that you just go over the subha, I forget there's a term they have, and you just pass the beads along, and however long that takes. They've got a different way to do it. Then, when they get up for prayer, they just throw their beads down. So, then before the prayer, when they all get up and they've done their tasbih, you'll just hear all these kashich. Right, everybody throws their beads down. Now, some people might consider that to be disrespectful—that you're throwing a tasbih down. But for them, tasbih is like second nature, and, and that's not disrespect. That's the way they do it. So these are—you have to understand that there's no hard and fast rules about these things. As long as you consider it that it is a tool, once you start considering that the tasbih, uh, sorry, the using the subha, the the beads. Is specific a sunnah like that? Although there's even a mention of beads in the sunnah, not necessarily strong beads. But the wife of the Prophet anha, was sitting there, and the Prophet went out for prayer. She came back, he came back, and he said, You're still. He said, Then he gave her a, a, a dua to read. But he said, uh, Basically, she was using beads, it's just for counting, that's all it is. It's literally just for counting, that's all it is. It's all it's supposed to be. But I said, Because of certain Sufi tariqs, etc., their greater emphasis on it, people get an aversion from these things. This happens often. Right? One of the reasons why some people criticize Fadail A'mal more than they would criticize Ghazali's books or uh, today I'm talking about, or even Ibn Al-Qayyim, some of his books is just because of the insistence that some people perceive uh, some of our Tablighi brothers showing to the Fadail A'mal and nothing else. Right, there's a reason why they do that. It's just so that you know at least they've got one nisa, one particular syllabus. That's their reasoning. But then some Tablighi brothers who are not very uh, uh, not very educated about that, they may they may kind of see it as the the second most sacred book after after the Quran. So then when others see that, right, maybe for them it is it's helped them more than anybody else, and that's fine, right? Because it has hadith in there. So you're not saying that it's replacing hadith. Uh, So then when people see that, they get aversion to it and they start criticizing something. Generally people are going to criticize something that they see others maybe overemphasizing, or they misunderstand others to overemphasize. That's generally the way society works. And we have to be careful that we don't fall into that same kind of problem. But these things will exist like that. Whereas Ibn al-Qayyim, he uses daif narrations, right? Um, Imam Ahmad ibn Muhammad is has da'if narrations, uh, weak narrations. But Imam Bukhari has weak narrations, not in his main book but in his other books. So people don't look at it like that. That's just, that's just to clarify something. Anyway, let's get back here. Said It is necessary for him, incumbent upon him to uh, re- remain perpetual and regular upon the dhikr of his tongue, in whatever tasbih he doing, while forcing his heart to be present. حتى يسير الحضور طبيعة له. until presence will eventually become second nature to him. so every time then he does this then you we will be able to insha'Allah, close out everything else. may Allah give us that day because that that's one of our biggest challenges is that. and a person he's saying this is, this is really proper practical advice. Do not abandon dhikr. He should not abandon dhikr just because he finds heedlessness in there, inattentiveness. He says, there's no point me doing dhikr of Allah because I can't get focused. I start doing my dhikr and I'm thinking about everything. He said, don't abandon dhikr because of that, because at least get yourself used to repeating the name of Allah, even with your tongue. That's the first stage. This is all about stages. (laughs) fala ذِكْرٍ مَعَ غَفْلَةٍ يَرْفَعُهُ إِلَى الذِّكْرِ مَعَ الْهُدُورِ Because perhaps, or very shortly you could say, dhikr, remembrance of Allah done with complete inattentiveness, will eventually lead him to remembrance with attentiveness. You can't jump into doing dhikr and being attentive straight away for most people. We're just not used to it. There's two components, let's just say. There's actually three components. Start with one component. To try to get all three together is complicated. So start with remembering. Just taking la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, la ilaha illallah, even if the mind drifts away. Say, say I want to do it for ten minutes, or say I want to do it a hundred times. Whether you, you, you insist on it, whether you give yourself a number, or whether you give yourself a some amount of time. Whether I drift away in that whether I've got attention, no attention, I'm gonna do it I'm still being rewarded for that remember that there's still a reward for that and it's our training insha'Allah for the hudur Then eventually your remembrance with attentiveness and presence المذكور, will raise him from The remembrance of Allah, Subhanahu wa Taala. So, so right now he's basically doing remembrance of Allah, and eventually he's got to being attentive. Now he may be attentive, but there may be still other things that he thinks about. He may focus on Allah, but there's still other things. Saying that eventually that will lead him to a remembrance with then total, uh, uh, total. uh, What do you call it? Abandonment of everybody but Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the third stage, right? Eventually, that is the third stage, that eventually you'll think of nothing else and you'll be purely uh, Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. When he becomes absent, yes, when he becomes absent from everything other than the remembered one, that's Allah, right? If when Finally, when a person is absent from everything but the one who he's remembering, then he will become engrossed in the sea of oneness, in the ocean of oneness. That's when he will become mustaghraq, in the sea of the divine unity. That's when you can say, I've got pure divine unity, I finally declared Allah to be one properly. Because now nothing else is coming when I think of Allah. You see that? it's like now i can just think of allah alone i don't have to think of anything else besides nothing else is how how can that happen it can only happen if we if the focus grows on allah and attachment to everything else decreases otherwise as if we have attachment to things it's going to keep coming into our mind that's the way our relationship with things work our mind is just like that I'll, it's only when something dominates the mind, that everything else has to leave, because the focus becomes one. And um, that, that's why one wonderful poem in Urdu, um, which is by this Khaja Majdub, his name was, one of Mawlana Ashraf Ali Ta'anwi's Khalifas, And he, he said, uh, he wrote a poem, he said, Har tamanna dil se rukhsat ho gayi. Ab to ab to khalwat ho gayi and it's just such it's so wonderful it encapsulates this whole idea so he's talking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he's saying finally um he's saying har tamanna dil basically all other desires have now finally disappeared they've left they've departed they were camping out in my heart all this time they've made a homes there they'd basically set up set up uh, businesses and everything in my heart and finally, I've managed to evict everything, I've cleared it all out, tenants are all gone, now I can sell this property you know, to you, basically. So he's saying that everything has finally departed, every other desire of the world has departed, now come in, now there is solitude, it's only place for you now. But that cannot, you know, if we're waiting for that to happen without starting with the other components, it's not going to happen. That's why he's saying you need to start and force yourself to sit down and do dhikr for 15-20 minutes. Most people give up. One program I went to, there's a question that uh, one of the sisters sent was, that I don't feel any pleasure in my prayer. I don't feel anything in my prayer, so I gave it up. My approach is that I don't feel anything either, but I keep trying. Right? You have to keep trying, it's not something easy. That's why we pray five times a day. That's why we have to pray lifelong because it's a training eventually you will read somewhere well that's the idea we should read somewhere Allahu Akbar so when he, when everything else does when he does become absent of everything else then he will eventually engross himself into pure into the pure ocean of oneness and that is when his heart will eventually become the house of Allah, the house of the Lord. That is when it will become the house of the Lord. House of the Lord, obviously, not physically speaking. It's just that eventually Allah will consider it to be a worthy place for us to be gaining His presence in our hearts, that feeling of presence. It's worthy now. It's not impure anymore. It's not hypocritical anymore. فَيَنْشَأُ عَنْهُ الذِّكْرِ مِنْ غَيْرِ you know what the most beautiful part of it is then? So all this effort and then you get spontaneous dhikr from the heart. That's what he says. So then after that remembrance will just originate and emerge and beat from the heart without even intention. Because we've got it so used to it, that now it just does remembrance without us having to make it do remembrance. wala tadabbur, Without any kind of reflection. Because now dhikr has completely become infused with his spirit and his body. But it has to go through the heart. You could put, basically, you could put dhikr all over your body, right? You could do all sorts, like you can write and everything, but if it's not in the heart, it's, it's, no, it's nowhere. You can carry big books of it, but it's not, it, it has to be in the heart. Then that is where it, it's supplied to the rest of the body. Otherwise, it's not. Now he's saying here that um, he's going more specific into the remembrance of the uh, of the tongue. He's saying wa dhikri lisani kathira. There are obviously many many forms of remembrance of Allah with the tongue. There's so many formulas, right? And there's so many ways as well. Wa uh, sorry minha. Among them, obviously there's tasbih, which is to sit and glorify Allah, which basically means that oh Allah, you are blameless, you are completely without defects. You're completely without fault. You are high above all forms of weaknesses. That's essentially what Tasbih means. Wa takbir to glorify Allah, you're the greatest. You are the mightiest. You're the most revered. Wa tilawatul quran is one great vicar of Allah. Because it's got so many things, it's Allah speaking, it's His word, so we're reading His message. Wa ghayri a number of others. Ijabatan lil However, what is the most effective one for the beginner? Is La ilaha illallah. La ilaha illallah, even separate from Muhammadur Rasulullah. So just La ilaha illallah. That is the most effective one. Especially for a beginner. Just to repeat that, it's the most effective and it is أفضل الذكر, as the Prophet said, it's the superior dhikr anyway. Mufradatan an Muhammadin Rasulullah, you know, separate from the second part, Muhammad Rasulullah, except when you're ending. So you keep saying, La ilaha illallah. So if you're doing it for 10 minutes, you're doing it 200 times, 500 times, then what you do is you end with Muhammad Rasulullah. But you repeat just, La ilaha illallah. And again, if you're in a tariqa and if you have your own way, then that's what you stick to. He's just saying, This seems to be the khalwati, the. This seems to be the khalwatiya way, this seems to be the shadhiliya way, I'm assuming because he mentions him later. And this is definitely the chishti way as well. That you keep saying la ilaha illallah. And it's also actually the Naqshbandi way in uh, two of the adhkars where you say la ilaha illallah and then you end with Muhammadur Rasulullah at the end. right? So that, that, that seems to be quite, um, it seems like quite an agreed upon idea, uh, at least in many orders. When you want to end your dhikr, 100 times, 500 times, or after 5 minutes or 20 minutes, then khatama biha, you finish with Muhammadur Rasulullah. Allah, right? Muhammad, you can't avoid that, you can't abandon that, that has to be there. ala kulli So now he's mentioning that uh, it seems like the Shadi Tariqah was very popular at the time. Uh, it, it, it's one of the most famous tariqahs in the world, along with the Naqshbandiya and the, uh, the Chishtiya in the subcontinent. right? So he says, uh, In some of the shadhri orders, because remember shadhri's have kind of split up into various shadiri Darqawi and uh, Shadili, um, I forget the other ones. The Alawi, alawis they're also Shadilis, I think, if I remember correctly. So the, they actually, they actually not shahdiri, They actually start from qadiriya. They're all sub branches of the qadiriya. That's really what it is, right? But the qadiris do a different type of dhikr to the now the shadiliya. That's because one of the sheikhs in between, you know, found a different way to do it. That's essentially why it is, right? Um, الترك, so he's saying that in some of them, they do Muhammadur Rasulullah at the end of every hundred la ilaha illallah. He says, all of this is if you're going to do dhikr alone. Of course, if you're doing dhikr with people, and he's talking about more of a collective dhikr, so they do that in some tariqs where they do a collective dhikr, everybody's saying, la ilaha illallah together. Right? So in that case, then obviously you don't want to do some Muhammad Rasulullah separately by yourself, you do it with others. He's just showing the adab, if that's what you're doing. That's why pretty much, all of the Muhammadiya orders, all of the orders, they have all pretty much agreed that this is what you suffice with first. La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. فَإِذَا كَمُلَ السَّالِكِ فَالْأَفْضَلُ لَهُ أَن يَضُمَّ مَعْهَا مُحَمَّدُ رَسُولُ اللهِ He says that later on when La ilaha illallah has penetrated, then after that you would generously La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. So you'll do both of them afterwards. وَالْأَفْطَلْ حِينَ al الْإِشْتِغَالِ In fact, now you don't have to necessarily go by this because this is, he's talking according to a certain path. right You do according to what you've been told. وَالْأَفْطَلْ al الْإِشْتِغَالُ الْقُرْآنِ He said, now it's superior to actually focus uh, and just engross yourself in the tilaw of the Qur'an. لِيَتَخَلَّقْ بِهِ So that you can now take on the color of the Qur'an. You can take on the character of the Qur'an. See when you when you read Quran without love for Allah in your heart, without uh, Allah having found a place in the heart, or us making a place for Allah, then the Quran is not. We're not going to get the same from the Quran. So he's saying that prepare your heart first with the remembrance of Allah, and then after that, when you actually do read the Quran, then you can take the benefits. Now if somebody, you see, if people follow their tariqahs properly, <clears throat> then they can actually come out of it with. Um, full, uh, uh, full um, focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but also with a focus on their character because character is very important otherwise it's going to be very detrimental if we don't have good character because we're breaking up with people we're causing uh, offences to people that is going to affect spiritually it's very difficult to not be affected spiritually if we can't have good akhlaq and show good character with other people that's very very important you need to learn that through the tilaw of the Quran. الْعُلْمُ الْعِلْمُ and also, the more Quran than you read, the more knowledge will be directly. The more knowledge and secrets of direct knowledge from Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala will be opened up to your heart. Right? You'll actually start seeing things for what they are eventually. The confusions of why we get tempted to do other things hopefully will get cut away will will disappear and we'll see hopefully start seeing things for what they are if somebody doesn't memorize the Quran or can't read the Quran maybe then what do you do? so he's saying that then listen to it listen to somebody reading it that's beneficial as well if you focus On listening to it, not just because he's got a good tune, but because you can understand what they're saying. Now he is talking to Arabs, assuming they understand the meaning already. Egyptians, right? They would you'd assume. So us, the who are not originally Arab, who don't understand Arabic, we've got a big task ahead of us to at least try to understand some of it, right? So that we can actually benefit from it like this. Wa inka al qari. Now you see, he he, mashallah, he really responds to. A question that would have What about if the Qari who's reading is not reading with focus? Right, he's a Qari who wants to show off in his reading, for example, right? So he's saying that Even if the Qari himself is heedless, like he's not focusing on his reading. Of course, if you can read from somebody who really understands their reading and who's really focused, that's going to have more effect. But he says, that no um, he wants to make it easy for us. He said like where you're gonna find people like that from, it may not be easy for you to find. So listen to um, listen to the Qari read, even if they're reading with negligence. But he, he, says, Umar ibn الفارض, he says and the situation in that case will be just like which is depicted in the following poem. Of the Arif billah Sayyidi Omar ibn al Farid. We read this before. Ya min min Ya Which basically means that, oh sister of Saad, from my beloved you've brought me a letter. So Ukhda Saad came, the sister of Saad came with a letter from his beloved, whoever that is. I don't know who that is, right? And and he says, you gave it to me with great kindness, right? You delivered it with great kindness, but you don't know what's inside it. He's saying, so I heard what you didn't hear, I saw what you did not see, and I learned from it what you did not learn, because it wasn't a letter for you; it was for me. So he's saying basically that Allah will specifically target you with messages from the Qur'an, right? when you open it and read it for yourself with the right presence of mind, then what you you will see things what others Now You can't start claiming that you're the Mahdi or something tomorrow because of that. That's not the point here. It's just saying that Allah will give you the gifts through the Qur'an insha'Allah. That was all in, in, in brief, that was basically what he talked about, Dhikr bil, uh, of the tongue. And I think that's easy to put into action. But in our lifetimes, the practical way to do this is that to get something into our daily schedules which are already very busy, because now we have a massive component of social media. Uh, you can actually download apps on, on your phone nowadays, which actually I think Apple has it by default I, I think, um, and otherwise you can get third-party apps which basically tell you at the end of the day or week or whatever how much you've been on there. And you'd be surprised how many hours of your day, I think the average could be four to five hours a day, which is a huge amount of time for some people. All right so we've got our time is all taken up our time is all taken up all taken up nobody's you know nobody has time anymore because we don't have enough time because of that so basically I think the idea is that if we can incorporate certain Adhkar into our life by marrying them up with a certain thing we do every day so for example if you are going to work by driving or by public transport, then you are going to dedicate that I'm going to read Yasin on that and I'm going to do my 100 istighfar and 100 salawat on that time. Right? If you're biking to work, it's the same way. I'm going to get on my bike, I'm going to do my du'a for protection and then I'm going to do my Yasin. What then happens is that every time you get on your bike, you're going to eventually start doing that. It'll become second nature. You'll have to force yourself to do it the first few times, but eventually you'll just do it. You won't have to think about it because once it gets into your routine, then it becomes normal. The only issue with that, right? The only issue with that is that when you don't have to go to work, right, like on a Saturday, Sunday, then you won't do it because it's so closely linked to your biking to work or your ride to work or your drive to work or whatever. But it's not bad five days a week at least, right? It's still not bad. Do you see what I'm saying? The other thing is that when you first get up in the morning and you, if you're getting up for tahajjud, if you're getting up for fajr, whatever it is, then, you know, again, I need to get up and I need to have this time. Uh, I'm going to sit and read a bit of Quran or I'm going to do this. Or the last thing at night I'm going to do. So, in the first, you, if you can marry it to a certain act. So, for example, the other thing is that there's so many other things we need to do during the day, other adhkar we can do like, Subhanallah wa bihamdi, Subhanallah al Azeem la uh, ala you do that 100 times a day you get a 100 status raised you get a 100 rewards you get a 100 uh, sins forgiven uh, you you get 10 uh, the reward of f- f- freeing 10 slaves it's a huge amount of reward when can you do that then so for example if you're used to going for prayer right whether that be maghrib or isha on the way back then then just incorporate that then just fit it slot it into different things of the day right that helps a lot that helps a lot so may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq so the second thing which he does talks about just briefly he talks about the second type, which is the dhikr of the heart so he says here wa huwa sha'nu nihayat generally for most uh, sufi orders dhikr of the heart is going to be the practice of the people who are advanced who've gone beyond the initial struggles and they they they're on the higher levels wamin who are fi now how do you do dhikr of the heart what is dhikr of the heart what exactly do you sit and think about right so what exact i mean do you sit and think about allah what do you think of if you're thinking about allah you, it's that would probably be actually difficult to do because you don't want to think about allah because you're going to start thinking of something physical. And that's wrong. So basically the idea is that you think of his name. right? You take his name. You take his makhlukat. You consider his makhlukat. We consider our status. We consider our sins. We consider our... Are we thanking Allah? How, the ni'mah of Allah? There's so many things. Anyway, I'll leave it to him to discuss. He says that part of that is reflection over the wonderful creation, the wondrous creation of Allah. Sit down and just... Consider the wonderful creation, right? Not the next product you want to buy. That's also a creation of Allah, but that's for different reasons. He says he's got a whole section about various types of muraqabat, so we'll leave it for that, right? But then he says, uh, uh, Now, because what he's done is he's said that I'm going to give you a totally separate section on muraqabat, on meditations. And then what he does is, he ends the ten principles. The, the ten principles that he's been discussing, he ends the ten principles. So he says, We talked about ten principles, didn't we? He's saying that there are some people who consider that there are more than ten principles. So these are the f- well-known ten principles that we did. I mean, maybe it's a good idea if we just go through them just to remind us because it has been a while, several sessions we've done this. So, uh, the first one was what, what was the first principle? The, the main one is toba, repentance, you have to shed the sin first, you know, you have to shed the load first. So the first one was re- repentance, number two was thanks for whatever we have, grateful, gratitude, shukr. And the third was Sabr, because the path is now going to be difficult, so it's patience, right? And the fourth was to be satisfied with whatever Allah... That's basically carrying on from sabr, isn't it? To be satisfied with how Allah has made us and given us. What Allah has given us is basically satisfaction with the decree of Allah. And number five then was to basically find and follow a an accomplished guide and teacher. So he had a long discussion on that one. That was number five. Then number six was you will have to go through... Hunger sometimes, the fasting as we discussed, fasting and hunger in general, because too much food causes problems. And number seven was al-'uzla, which is you're also going to have to practice some kind of um, solitude. So, cut away your relationship with too many things. And then eight, silence. Even when you're with people, you don't talk as much. Silence, and. Uh, even when you're not with people you don't talk much on the phone as we said as well. Number nine was Al Qiyamu Bil Ashar which is to stand up at nights to pray over and above the five daily prayers and number ten was Dhikr of Allah tafakkur and reflection so he's saying that some people say that there's actually more than ten and some people say there is there's less again they're all important وَفِي الْحَقِيقَةِ كُلُّهَا right؟ In reality, they're all necessary. But umdatuha, What you have to remember, if you want to make this just basically distill this down. عُمْدَتُهَا The most important pillars are wa والصدق في tawajjuh is remembrance of Allah. You can't do without that. And having a sincere focus. Once we lose the sincerity in focus, then it just becomes a ritual so sincerity and focus along with complete opposition to the desires of the soul those are the three absolute basics focus without focus we can't get anything number 2 dhikr of allah to bring some good into us and mukhalafa which is opposition to the shahawat or muqasatu sabr ala yad kamil that's the fourth point which is to endure patience or endure patiently at the hands of an accomplished guide right that's to endure patiently it's going to be tough it's going to go against our nafs It's going to tell us to do things which are not easy sometimes and we're doing it even if we even if some part of that is maybe a bit wrong not haram this is something maybe not as best as it could be at least because you're doing it for the sake of Allah you 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 could be forgiven for that by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give, will give blessing mujtaniban but this is the most important thing he says is that you while abandoning all types of sins wa both the major and minor sins ظاهرها, both the manifest and apparent ones like qatal, killing fornication, drinking wine and intoxicants, eating haram, ghibah, backbiting, namima, tail-bearing, ila muharramin, wa thalik, looking at the haram, viewing the haram, that which is unlawful and everything else, and also the internal ones like jealousy, hatred, uh, arrogance, ostentation, narcissism, Pride, miserliness, uh, hypocrisy, love of position, love of leadership. All of these things need to come out, otherwise, they just constantly create a problem. So, that was just to end the 10 principles. So, inshallah, that ends the 10 principles there, but then he's got, as I said, a special section on Al Muraqaba wa Atharuha, which basically he's speaking about the various types of meditations and and their benefits and then he's got a small section on dua and uh and then he ends the section so inshallah maybe another two sessions and this will be inshallah completed but may Allah also help it to complete uh, our beginning to start inshallah as well wa da'wana anil rabbil alamin allahumma salam wa al salam al ikram Allahumma ya hayyu ya qayyumu bi rahmatika nastawee Allahumma ya hananan ya mannan la ilaha illa anta subhanaka inna kunna min adh-dhalimin Allahumma salli wa sallim ala sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali sayyidina Muhammad wa barik wa sallim oh Allah we ask you for your mercy O oh Allah we ask you for your forgiveness O oh Allah we ask you for your special pen your special attention O oh Allah grant us your blessings grant us your forgiveness all those sins we have committed, all our problems, O oh Allah, remove them, purify our hearts. O oh Allah, purify our hearts. O oh Allah, allow us to be closer to You. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to remember You. O oh Allah, grant us the ability to have our foc- hearts focused on You. O oh Allah, grant us Your remembrance to be spontaneous from our heart. O oh Allah, we ask that You allow us to only be focused on You and to take our focus away and our engrossment away from everything else O oh Allah we ask that you make our hearts those which you uh, w- which you, your presence is found in and O oh Allah we ask you for protection from a heedless heart from a negligent heart from a weak heart that is filled with the love of everything else O oh Allah grant us blessing in our time O oh Allah allow us to discipline our time allow us to discipline ourselves O Allah, shower your mercy upon this entire Mm ummah, our brothers and sisters around the world, wherever they have suffered, wherever they have been persecuted, wherever they have been oppressed. O Allah, only you know best why whatever is happening is happening. But O Allah, we ask that you allow us to stand up to our responsibilities and you grant us the tawfiq and divine enablement to do that which is correct and to be forces of good in this world and to help bring back humanity to the human being And oh allah all of those who've died in the recent catastrophes oh allah we ask that you grant them jannatul firdaus oh allah they were in the masjid so they were fi Allah, they were in the path in your path O Allah, accept them and grant them sincerity. Mm -hmm. And O Allah, those who they've left behind and the whole Muslim Ummah grant the whole Muslim Ummah beautiful patience. Mm -hmm. O Allah, we ask that you grant us a great ajar and reward, and O Allah, for and allow us to stand up to the task. And O Allah, we ask that you uh, protect us and our families and our children and the entire Ummah. And O Allah, above all, you write us to be of those who will be close to your prophets and to be in the Jannatul Firdaus and O oh Allah protect uh, our children from all of the difficulties and the challenges that we are facing out there and O oh Allah we ask that you guide us aright and do not allow us ever to fall to, to fall down and remain down but to keep us up and to make us of those who are thankful to you and grateful to you oh Allah bless all of those who are here those who are listening oh Allah those who will listen and do not Allah was to turn away from this gathering without being completely forgiven. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon. wa salamun al mursalin alhamdulillah rabbil